Hey everyone, welcome back to The Coop with Meyer Hatchery, where we talk all things poultry in hopes of inspiring crazy chicken keepers and educating future flock owners. I'm Kendra. And I'm Jeff. And today we're taking a look at preparing your coop as part of our A Year with Chicken series. We dedicate one episode per month to this series, covering what to expect when raising a chicken in that particular month. For the month of May, we're going to cover coop considerations for your newest flock additions. Whether you currently have a coop or are building a new one, we'll cover everything from the differences between a coop and a run to general building considerations and add-ons. I'm on my second coop, third if you want to count a renovation. I think I've mentioned this before, but our first coop looked like a doghouse that we slapped together for three hens gifted to us, and it had an old dog kennel that surrounded it as a run. As we added chickens, we fixed up the back of our barn into a coop. From there, I believe it was last summer, we renovated it again, so now the coop stretches our whole barn. Now we have two coops within our barn, our brooder, and an area for feed storage. What was your coop set up like, Jeff? The first coop I had was just a two by three box with hardware cloth on the bottom, up on two by fours for a few of the chicks that my kids had. After that, it just grew. Uh, At one point, we had a small shed that became a chicken coop. Then at one point, my two-car garage turned into a one-car garage because half the garage became a coop. Uh, <laughs> that was a lot of coop in that area. Then I've also done a lot of chicken tractors from using PVC pipe to two-by-fours, which I actually like more. A lot of chicken tractors, and that's my favorite way to do it. And now it's time for your poultry pick of the week. Jeff, what did you pick this week? The Barnevelder is our poultry pick of the week. The double-laced partridge pattern on this rare breed is truly a sight to behold. With beautiful bronze on iridescent black lacing. Known for their hardiness, they are a good layer, producing 180 large, light to dark brown eggs annually. If you're looking for a slow-maturing, dual-purpose breed that is highly sought after in the United States, consider adding a Barnevelder to your flock today. Let's start with the basics, the difference between a coop and a run. These are easy terms to get confused, as a lot of coops these days have attached runs. To break it down, a coop is housing in which your nesting boxes and roosts are located. Coops are enclosed to keep your poultry safe at night and protect them from natural elements. A run, on the other hand, is located outside of the coop and is usually enclosed by a fence. This is an open space that provides your chickens an area to scratch, dust bath, and forage. Runs are optional. It's a great space to keep your flocks safe while still allowing them to be chickens. It also keeps them out of your garden and flower beds. We'll dive into more features both the coop and run can have, but first, let's talk about some of the basic coop considerations. First up, location. Unless you're using a chicken tractor, chicken coops are typically a solid building located on your property. Some things you may want to consider in regards to this new building is water and electricity. Now, while chickens don't need heat, if kept in a well-insulated building, you may want to consider a light source. 
Ever forget to collect eggs and have to do so late after work? What about those rainy days when natural light is low and you mistake a clump of poop for an egg? Or have you considered creating a built-in brooder within your coop? They'll need a heat lamp or brooder plate to stay warm. Lucky for me, our barn already had three lights above and outlets built in. Well, I had shop lights for my half of the garage that I use for the chicken coop. But then when I had my chicken tractors, didn't need lights. Also, consider how close your water source is to your ideal coop location. Is it easy to run a hose to? How about in those colder months when you have to lug buckets of water? What about a heated water in which you'll need to consider electricity and your water source? These are all great questions to ask yourself before determining your final location. Now, another item you may want to consider when choosing a location is additions. That's right, chicken math. That's what spurred our original move into our barn and then the renovation to be able to house more chickens. If the chicken math bug bites you, is the location you've chosen an area that can easily be expanded upon? Also, are the building plans you've chosen something that can be expanded upon? Even if you may be thinking these three chickens are all I need, it's always good to plan ahead and give yourself room to grow or change the structure as your needs change. A great example of this is the COVID pandemic. Last year, when people were buying chickens, they likely never considered something like COVID would sweep our nation. Now, customers are not only adding poultry to their flock to become more self-sustainable, but we're also seeing a few additions to help provide eggs to their communities. Trust me, allowing yourself and your chickens more room in your coop is never a bad thing. Next up, predators. If you're new to chicken keeping, do you know what predators will threaten your flock? Yep, there are coyotes, foxes, weasel, minks, dogs, bears, bobcats, mountain lions, raccoons, skunks, hawks, and owls, just to name a few. Obviously, the predators will vary based on your location. And believe me, I've lived in Michigan my entire life thinking I knew what I was up against. I had no idea. Predators come out of the woodworks as soon as that first chicken is on scene. Google, of course, will help you determine the predators in your area, but it's also worth asking local chicken-keeping groups or local farmers what they've experienced. Regardless of the type of predators, the two most common ways to protect your flock is through hardware cloth and netting. Hardware cloth helps keep your standard mammals away, while netting prevents aerial predators. It's also important to know that even if you think the opening is small enough, it's not small enough. For instance, chicken wire does not live up to its name. Sure, it keeps your chickens in, but small predators like raccoons can easily stick their little hands in and pluck your chicken's head clean off. That's why we recommend hardware cloth, which despite the name is made from strong wire and is available in a variety of sizes. This also comes in handy for predators that like to dig under coops and runs. You'll want to bury your hardware cloth at least 12 inches underground. Now, this is also a great recommendation for your run as well. For us, our run is a safe space we allow our chickens to be if they can't be free-ranging but still need some fresh air. If you use a run exclusively, I would highly recommend reinforcing the perimeter. While you don't often have to worry about nighttime predators, it will inhibit neighborhood dogs from digging under the fence. 
This is also a great space to drape netting to keep aerial predators out of your run, or better yet, build a run with a roof to help protect your chickens from weather elements. While our chickens free range, during the winter months, our run is partially covered to still allow some outdoor time. I know there are a lot of chicken keepers that still like to feed their chickens outside to make sure they remain active. Want to have your coop consideration questions answered by us, the hosts of the coop? Join our exclusive Facebook group, Inside the Coop. This group is specifically for our podcast listeners so we can keep the conversation going off air. Connect with your community and let's meet Inside the Coop today. Find the link below in our show notes. Now, the last thing we plan to cover today is general building considerations. First up, ventilation. Proper ventilation is key to a healthy flock. We often get asked how to assess the difference between a drafty coop and a well-ventilated coop. The purpose of ensuring your coop has good ventilation is to remove ammonia odor and moist air from the coop, reducing the risk of respiratory issues and frostbite in the winter months. This odor and bad air slowly rises, making it important to place your ventilation high above the roofs. In the warmer months, open windows can be used for ventilation, but be sure that they can be sealed tightly in the winter. For larger spaces, mechanical ventilation with fans work well, whichever you prefer. Ensure these spaces are also predator-proof by adding hardware cloth to the openings. Drafts typically move horizontally through the coop and can be sporadic. Assess areas around your nesting boxes and roosting bars to ensure openings that could allow for air to horizontally pass through are closed. Our coop is a converted old barn and we're constantly battling drafts. If you're in the same boat, I just want you to know you're not a bad chicken keeper because you don't have a highly styled, custom-built, Instagram-worthy coop. Sometimes you just have to work with what you have. I try to inspect my coop every fall and patch up any drafty holes before the winter chill sets in. I also have a sliding door at the end of our coop, which is perfect for clean-out days. However, in the winter months, wind howls through there. I took a few of our feed bags and sewed them together to create a custom-sized tarp. Every fall, I make a new one and tack it over the hole, stuffing straw behind it for extra insulation. It's not pretty, but it works like a charm. With my chicken tractors, I would move them every few days so I had no problem with ammonia issues. Plus, the sides and the top, over two-thirds of it, were open, so fresh breeze all the time. With my garage, my one-car garage, I had the side windows, back windows, and occasionally I would open up the sliding door, but then also that would allow all the ammonia to go out the building, so I didn't have a problem with that. Another item to consider in your coop is nesting boxes. On our original coop, we could access the nesting boxes from the outside, and I loved it. With our current setup, it's just not doable at this point. That's one thing I would highly recommend you consider. It's nice, especially on colder months or bad weather, not to have to trudge through your coop for egg collection. If you do have to go into the coop for egg collection, you may want to consider roll-away nesting boxes. We'll dive into more nesting box options in a later episode, but having the roll-away makes for easy collection. For standard nesting boxes, having a lip on the outside edge 
will help keep your chickens from pushing the eggs out. Lastly, consider your coop size. When entering your coop, and most of you will, if not for egg collection, for cleaning, make sure your coop is tall enough for you to stand in or is elevated so you're not having to lean over or worse yet, crawl in. And that concludes the basic coop considerations as you work to create a home for your new additions or existing flock. Thanks for listening to The Coop. Be sure to subscribe, and if you'd be so kind, drop us a review. See you all next week. Bye.